concentrate. Odd. The Universal Translator has not converted this data stream. Because it's written in the language of my homeworld. Solemn. Oh. On a Federation ship? How's that possible? It's not. My father and I are the last of our kind, and we've never encountered Starfleet before. Maybe I can crack it. Remember, it is not mere translation, but interpretation. There is no barrier we cannot overcome, for we are Thou Nakat. Access granted. Yeah! Welcome, everybody, to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike. I am one of your hosts, and with me is my co-host, Johnson. Hey, Johnson, Mike. how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am good. Actually, no, today was terrible, but I am alive. <laughs> I am good. Uh, I, I am terrible. Life, life no. is fine. Life is no. a disaster. I'm dying. No, today was like a complete like clusterfuck, but it was okay. Oh, well, you seem to have survived. No, I survived. So my washer dryer isn't working. Oh, this my, drama. My, my new continues. washer dryer isn't working. I know these are first world problems. And Best Buy was setting a technician and the window was one to six o'clock. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm working. That's it's not like a window. Five. That's like a garage door. I, ridiculous, right? So I'm like waiting, waiting. And it's like 540. I'm like, where is this person? And then they Best Buy sends an email at 543 saying, oh, we're on our way. We'll be there at 550. It's like, okay. Because they, they need to make the window, right? Yes. 550 comes, no one. 610, 615. I'm like, <laughs> where, is this, where is this fucker? So <laughs> I call Best Buy and they're like, oh, they haven't arrived yet? I'm like, no, there's no one here. And they try to get in touch with a technician and they can't find this guy. They don't know where he is. So meanwhile, I had taken the door off my closet to make uh, way for this guy to inspect my washer dryer. It's like this whole process. And I don't mind stuff like that. It's just annoying, obviously, because I had to like, it's this whole thing. And yeah, they had to, now it's next week. But they're apparently going to compensate me. They're like, we'll give you a partial refund. I'm like, how much? <laughs> I literally said, like, how much? And they're like, oh, we'll let you know once the job is fully complete. I'm like, it's going to be $5. Like, I need more than that. You're going to get a, be- a $5 Best Buy uh, gift certificate. Well, yeah, I was like, do you- they were like, oh, do you want a gift card or a refund? I'm like, refund. And I just want to know how much it is. Like, tell me. But anyway, now next week, I'm like, great. Thanks. I was like really annoyed. I was really displeased and I made my displeasure known. So 
Yeah, you know, uh, we actually got our fridge from PC Richards, which actually worked out pretty well. Uh, we actually got it right before the pandemic started. So oh, okay, before lockdown. So yeah, I don't know that I would default to going to Best Buy first for a washer dryer, but it was fine. I mean, like the actual original install was okay, but then they had problems. There were problems with the install. Of course, yeah, and then there was problems with your. <laughs> washer not completely going into like an error or something yeah so whatever wow well well it's and fine. you know that it's sounds fine, like man. that sort of sounds like the day that hamish had hamish got neutered today so is it the same i mean you wake up in the morning and suddenly by you know one o'clock in the afternoon you don't have any balls, your balls I mean, are gone. your balls are gone i mean that's a pretty you know traumatic experience so um so he's living with life with a cone oh and so you know my complaint was so you know as a parent slash doggy parent doggy daddy right you, there are no days off there are no days off once you have a kid once you have a dog there are no days off and today was going to be my day off because we got to drop him off at 8 30 which was fine we got up and left at like eight and walked until he did his business morning business and then we walked to the vet and dropped him off mm-hmm. and i you know we were planning to pick him up at five which was you know the originally quoted time to me two or three vet visits ago whatever it was mm-hmm. and uh then dennis yells in at like twelve thirty. oh hamish is ready we can pick him up at one o'clock and i'm like what the fuck? No, no, I, I, five. We're picking him up at five. And they're like, <laughs> he was like, no, he's ready. Like they did his surgery early. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was just annoyed. Uh, well, we all need to live with our choices. I mean, I'm, you know, I love famous to death. It's just nice to have a, a break. day. A break. Yes. It's like so, how parents need like a break once in a while. Yeah, so same thing. So I was talking to one of my colleagues. Uh, I am uh, going on a youth service trip as a chaperone. And we were talking about it today. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was asking me, you know, confirming that I was still going to go. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Why? Why wouldn't I go? And uh, because one of the other chaperone had backed out. Okay, because of Omicron. And so we were just talking about a bunch of different things, mostly work related. And then um, I asked, you know, have the parents complained? Like, have the parents said, oh, you know, we're going to back out or whatever. Not one parent has backed out saying their kids aren't going. In fact, they, they a couple of them have reached out and said, they're still going, right? Uh-huh. And, and I was like, of course they, they want their kids to go. They're not going to back out. They get a, they get a week long vacation from their kids. They're not going to back out. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I think, uh, you know, parents need breaks from their kids. And so I don't know if we're going to, you know, I, I, she's going to try to get another chaperone for this trip. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It may How be old are the kids you're chaperoning. How old? Yeah. Middle school and high school, Ugh. so uh, yeah, there's 14 of them. So, uh, do you know them? I know most of them, I know their parents, most okay. of their parents as well. So, they were all when their parents found out that I was going as one of the chaperones, they were all pretty pleased. So, uh, I would never do that, I would never volunteer for that kind of activity. 
Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. So we're going to New Orleans. Uh, meanwhile, you know, the rest of our friend group is going to L.A. That's right. So you're going to L.A. Dennis is going to L.A. Tony's going to L.A. Mm-hmm. You're meeting up with people we know in L.A. Yes. And I will be in New Orleans with 15 kids, 14 kids and another chaperone. Yeah, you will. Uh, but but a- maybe it'll be fun for you. Oh, yeah. No, I think it'll be fun. It'll be exhausting. I think I'm going to come back and like sleep for a week. Exhausting. Yeah, sounds exhausting. Sounds terrible. Um, But yeah, so yeah, that's what's going on here. So my day was fine. Other than, you know, having we went and picked Hamish up and, you know, he's uh, he's living life in a cone and just kind of he groans and he whines and, you know, (laughs) he's He's not happy. He's not generally happy. No, this is a highly. I, mean, I wouldn't active... want to live with a cone around my head. No, of course not. Not when you're a super happy, energetic, want to go everywhere, be outside, play with other dogs, active puppy. This is not the ideal situation. So, and he's going to be like, you need to keep it on two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, they really want to make time. sure. Yeah, they really want to make sure that this uh, heals. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, Dennis, Dennis leaves for Austin on Friday. So it's just me and, and Hamish. And, uh, but now, you know, I was going to, over the weekend, I was going to take him to the park and, you know, play, you know, he could play with other dogs and exhaust him. And, you know, cause it's not during the work week and I could take him and, you know, we could sit out there if the weather is decent and he can play for an hour or whatever. Whereas I can't really do that during the week. Because I'm working, and so our walks are kind of like my lunch break or, you know, a, a quick quick in and out or whatever. So, sure. yeah. So, we are relegated to non, non-rigorous, non-vigorous, sorry, not well, rigorous, vigorous. I guess it's roughly the same activities. So, he's going to have to chill out for two weeks. Um, Let's give, give him some Xanax. Well, he's got some medicines for the pain and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know this this puppy's this puppy wanted to be like active the second he saw us as he was coming out of the back of the vet so so yeah so uh so he Dennis is going away and uh, it's just Hamish and I enjoy have fun I mean I get the bed to myself oh yeah that's right um, yeah you do so that's not a bad thing yeah all right. Oh, so, yeah. Well, so that's the one upside. That yeah, there we off. go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess I was dishing with Dana on the on the fly there. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess we're, we are here to talk about Star Trek. This is a yes. Star Trek podcast. Yes, it is sort of, I mean, we usually spend around like seven to ten minutes just updating about personal stuff. Yeah. But we are here to eventually talk about Star Trek. Yes. So you, you, I mean, you shared, you, 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 there's news today. There was news. Yes. There's some news. There is some news. Um, so apparently there's going to be an audiobook or an audio novel, whatever. I don't know what you call it. It's an audio drama. Audio drama that stars seven and Rafi. Like yes. their adventure together post Picard season one. On holiday. And, and uh, it's going to be premiering at the end of February. So yes. that's something to look forward to, I guess. 
Yeah, I love audio dramas. I think this is an area where Star Trek has once again kind of fallen behind and not looked at the landscape, you know. I mean, Star Wars has done this. Doctor Who has done this for 25 years. So Mm -hmm. this... um, I've never really gotten to audio dramas, so... Yeah, you don't like audiobooks. That's something I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I missed out on. Yeah, I love audiobooks, and, you know, I love audio dramas, and uh, I'm sure hopefully this will be done really well. Uh, Hopefully the sales will be also really good, so they'll maybe think about doing some more of this. But this was... This this should have been, like, an inevitable fact of the last two years. Like, this was a perfect opportunity to do some of this while people were locked down. You know, for instance, so in Doctor Who in, in the UK, uh, this company called Big Finish has done audio these audio dramas for 25 years mm-hmm. using the various actors who have played the Doctor uh, from Doctor Who. And uh, one of the Doctors was a few years ago was David Tennant, who most people, you say David Tennant, they know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he finally, during this time, signed up with Big Finish to do these audio dramas and has recorded like, I, I would say like a good half dozen at least, if not more, uh, during this pandemic. And uh, it's just a great way to to expand the universe, to, mm-hmm. to provide content. It's another revenue stream for companies. Uh, you know, so it's just, it's kind of shocking. Well, it's not shocking, not shocking, really, uh, that uh, Simon & Schuster is getting into this. Yeah. So, so I, I really hope that it goes well and uh, that they'll do some more of these because I think there's a great opportunity. I mean, think about it for Discovery. Like, we could go into, you know, we could go into Tilly's, Starfleet Academy experiences. We could go into Bryce's uh, experience on the, I think it was he on the Clark, I want to say. Uh, at right. the beginning of this, yes. yeah, he was doing this uh, thing on the Clark. So, um, you know, there's all, and those are two off the top of my head. I mean, there's, you know, there's the five months in between seasons three and season four that they could, you know, they can fill in the gaps and do some audio adventures with. So, this is really a fertile ground. I just don't understand why it's taken Star Trek and Paramount slash CBS slash Simon and Schuster all this time to get to this point. But here we are. So yeah, well, so, well something. I mean, I I don't know how in demand it is. I mean, it's something. I guess I don't. I don't have any data. I have no data to understand the, what kind of market there is for audio dramas, but I'm sure there's some, there's some market. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah. absolutely is. I, I, uh, I love audiobooks, but I also love audio dramas. I probably have a couple hundred audio dramas from this UK company for Dr. Who. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very lucrative, uh, area of, uh, you know, and Dr. Who, I would say, I don't know. I don't know numbers, but, I would say that, you know, Doctor Who and Star Trek probably are on par with, you know, fans, number of fans. Uh, So it's just a great opportunity to, they could do Kelvin Universe audio dramas. There's just so much they could do. All right, one step at a time. Let's let's get this one Um, out of the way and see how it goes. (laughs) So so that's news. And then I was also talking to you, was it end of last week or beginning of this week? 
when I was like, oh my God, Chicago was in three months. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, it was over the weekend. I think we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, what? Star Trek Chicago is coming up and we have no plans. Well, we haven't thought very far. We haven't. You know, I was talking to Bill, our executive producer, a little bit, and um, I, I'm still surprised that they're going to do this. Uh, but, you know, so quick aside, uh, this Saturday is a telethon for the Hollywood Food Coalition, sponsored by Trek Geeks and the Roddenberry uh, podcast groups. They're doing this three hour ish telethon on trektalks.net check that out we ran a promo at the beginning of last week's episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and uh you know people so i was talking to bill and he was he was telling me that a lot of people jumped onto this because of the cert, the current situation with omicron like people like jerry Ta- they got uh, not jerry taylor they got jerry ryan and will wheaton specifically because of Omicron and they're not traveling to conventions. And so I, I began uh, to wonder, like when, when he said that, that for me sparked, well, what's going to happen with uh, Chicago? You know, how many are we going to get there and like have the whole next generation cast like bail again, like we did in, in Las Vegas? I know, Vegas. I know that was sad. Uh, so yeah, that was sad, you know, so especially since we are next generation people you know that's that's our primary you know i mean i did watch the original series as in reruns as a younger kid but when i turned 13 star trek the next generation came on and that's really my entry to star trek so yeah so seeing the cast and crew of star trek the next generation is would be exciting and a big deal for us yeah and exciting none of them were at las vegas they were not. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, Will Wheaton, I think, was the third uh, third person who was announced for Chicago, Mission Chicago. The He's, list is still kind of small, but it's still very far away. Yeah. So, I mean, three months, if three months is far, I suppose. But I don't know. Uh, three months ago, I got we got Hamish. So um, it seems like a long time ago, but in reality wasn't a long time ago either yeah so yeah so three months to mission chicago Mm -hmm. that's pretty crazy yeah we're not going to vegas right i think we established this yeah i mean i'm not really planning on going to vegas okay yeah i I mean you know yeah no besides I, i mean right now i mean should the should things in the world change and get better you know, this summer, my vacation would primarily be used for going to the Philippines and Asia. So, well, that would be a big trip. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I don't think Las Vegas is really in the cards. And I mean, you know, when it's not sponsored by Paramount, Paramount CBS, Viacom, whatever they're called. Yeah. Paramount Plus, uh, you know, it just begs the question, you know, this is a little weird. Yeah. 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 Like we thought, yeah, it's like how we thought last year was kind of odd. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, but Mission Chicago is sponsored. Correct. And uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's official. It's official. It's It's an official Star Trek uh, convention. So, correct. Correct. Three months away. Chicago, here we come. Yeah. 
Please let some stars come that we want to see. Please. It's going to be cold. April in Chicago. It's still going to be I mean, it's chilly. cold here in New York right now. I know, but Chicago takes longer to warm up than New York. Yes, but you were looking at hotels that are connected to the convention center. Correct. So we don't have to go outside. We don't have to go outside. Yeah. It'll be like Vegas. It's like, oh my God, it's so hot. I'm like on the surface of the sun right now. I don't want to be outside. <laughs> it's like that. Oh, I see. Yes. But I mean, we would have to venture out just like we did in Vegas for food. Right. Potentially. 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 I mean, we did eat in the hotel like once or something. I don't remember. Yeah. So, yeah. In any case. All cool. right. Should we uh, move on to this week's episode of Prodigy? Yeah. So, yeah. No more discovery. We've already discussed that to death. We asked, we, we know, we, we understand. Uh, so, yeah, Prodigy, uh, back, uh, back with a, with a vengeance. This is a strong, uh, strong start to the second block of five episodes that we're going to see and uh, had some heavy hitters in it. So let's talk about Star Trek Prodigy episode six, Kobayashi. It's go time. This is the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, 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 we hear you, Kobe. Why don't you enjoy some relaxing tunes? All channels are took from jam, Captain. It's a little loud, which means our stealthy Klingon pals can't hear what's coming next. Engage impulse in a barrel roll loop. Overload the war core, 130%. The plasma intercooler's gone. The engines are overheating. Frankly, I fail to see any point at all. Gotta keep them on their toes, Jenny Man. I've blown up so many times. I see now the only way out is chaos. Three, two, one. Presto! Got a present for you, and it comes with a message. What's that old Klingon saying again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best served cold. Scotty, inject warp core! You got it, Captain. Sweeping the area of Outpost 2, sensor reading indefinite. And the Kobayashi? Despite your unconventional tactics, they're still alive. <laughs> yes! So, Johnson, I, I know you had you had a plan for how we talk about Discovery, but Prodigy is much simpler, so... Well, you still have, like, kind of two... There's two, two storylines. There's actually two and a half storylines, if you think about it. They fit a lot into 24 minutes. Uh, you it, know, it was I'm, insane. I'm like, having trouble remembering what the one and a half other storylines were. So you had... You, you had Dow doing yes. the Kobayashi Maru. Right. You had the whole storyline with Gwen and Zero and Janeway trying to figure out the mystery of like what's... Oh, what's, of the protostar. Yep. And then you had Rock Talk with Murph. <laughs> That's the half. Oh, it's yeah. Like, you, we find out that Murph is indestructible. So yes. That was like a little, little C, like C minus plot. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yep. Yeah. That's why I said two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Um, they did. Uh, they actually fit a lot into this episode. It's they really crazy. did. Uh, did you enjoy this episode? 
I did. I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like it was like, so it's episode six and they've barely had much in the way of Easter eggs. Obviously there have been references, but it's like they decided to watch Lower Decks and like decided, oh my God, we need to catch up or something. And they crammed a zillion Easter eggs into this one episode. They I did. feel that's what they did. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, and and that's really only in the, I mean, for me, that's the Dal Kobayashi Maru part of the story. I'm trying to think if there's anything in the other two pieces that, that were... Just Chakotay at the end. Oh, that's right, yes. Captain Chakotay. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big uh, drop. drop. Info yeah, drop. that was a big drop. He was captain of the Protostar. And then, and then the flashback, that was a big info drop too because they flash back 17 years ago the diviner oh, was already searching for had already that's actually a whole nother storyline already searching for the protostar it sounds like for a long time and i was like what because this entire time we've been talking about how prodigy is happening in like 2383 or so so yeah. it's like how does this fit like what you know what's going on and I did read an interview. Unfortunately, it sounds like there's time travel involved. I'm like, oh. uh... Because you you hear there's like this with Chakotay at the end of the recording, they like encounter some sort of anomaly and they were getting boarded. And yeah, there's an interview with the writer. I don't remember his name. He got a, there were a few interviews posted with him. And <laughs> And he was like, I can't review anything. And then the interviewer was like, does it rhyme with fine travel? <laughs> like, <laughs> stupid. And then he was like, maybe. Uh, I was like, gosh. oh my God. Okay, so this is one my, if it is indeed time travel, which would not shock me, I feel, first of all, it's, do we need time travel on a kid's show? I, I don't know. But Time travel is just so overused on Star Trek. It's so overused. It's too much. It's too much. 2009 Star Trek, Discovery Season 2 and Season 3 time travel. Picard Season 2 is going to have time travel. And now we have time travel and Prodigy. Like, my God, do we need this much time travel? Like, it doesn't always need to be a narrative crutch for the show, for the series. But it really has become, like, the go-to. I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked if there's time travel in season four of discovery like if we somehow find out that there's some time travel involved in in the this dma like DNA, in the creation like, of dna i would not that would not blow my mind i'll be like oh my god time travel <laughs> like well hopefully there's no time travel well like, i mean this probably you know if if pike is having any flashbacks to his memories of how he dies uh that that's sort of time travel so strange worlds could even have it so I, yeah, I just, yeah, the 17 year old, 17 year, yeah, there's just, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. I think it's a little bit much for, uh, for a kid's show. I also, I found it interesting that, you know, we now know that Gwen is sort of like a clone-ish mm -hmm. uh, something or other uh, from the Diviner, so uh and technically, you know, they are the two last of their species. So um, 
which I cannot remember the name of it. The no, Tua Navat or something like that. Yeah, I don't. Um, so that was interesting, and that's where I, uh, yeah, I had forgotten about the until you mentioned it. The little comment about the proto looking for the proto star, and so I, I don't know now. Now I'm even more confused because you know I thought oh, 17 years ago, this is about how old Gwen is. Mm-hmm. She's gonna be 17, you know, but right. but you know they show in this flashback that she comes out looking like she does now. So that was also an interview. They he clarified that it's not supposed to be like oh she came out of the tube as an adult. Like it's supposed to kind of just show that eventually. I mean because the Viner is still kind of in the tube, like even in the season premiere. So it's supposed to kind of show her evolution to adulthood. Oh, so okay well these are very not clear pieces of this uh yeah this episode all right so we have that uh shall we go back to dal or do you want to talk about you know the you're you're leading this particular episode so i leave it up to you i mean you know the the all the star trek easter eggs are in the Kobayashi Maru in the in the holodeck, yeah, yes, in the holodeck, you know, uh, and I mean, first you see the bridge of the Enterprise D, which is right. Cool. But even before that, I liked some of the some of oh. the callbacks. It was like, oh, and Doria, it's like they were Doria four, yeah, on Seti Alpha five. Oh yes, right, right, right. yeah, um, <laughs> like Jane Eyre. <laughs> I was like, of course. I was like, perfect for oh, Janeway. Yeah, for, for Janeway, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I love that. You know, you're uh, like a, a Jane Eyre, Jane Austen kind of like novel, you know, like yep. hollow novel. That's that's perfect. Perfect callback. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, when when they showed the Enterprise D, I think I screamed a little bit. Yeah, that was yeah. Great. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty good, pretty good to see that, and then, you know, you get to pick your crew, and of course, he has no context for picking it, and so they honor uh, you know, some really cool different. Uh, three of them are no longer with us. No, Michelle Nichols is still around. No, oh, no. right, Scotty. Scotty, Scotty, James Doohan. Spock, and well, James Doohan had two lines, but yes, three of the five. Yeah, three of the five were, and I thought you were. I thought we were talking about Michelle Nichols. No, 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 no. Uh, Yes, let's uh, let's not uh, bring that up. But uh, yeah, so I I I guess I thought it was interesting that they put the characters in the different positions that didn't really seem to make sense. But again, I don't know. It just seemed like oh, you mean their stations? Uh, yeah, there's stations on the bridge. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting choice, or I don't know if interesting is the right word. I thought it was an odd choice, actually, mm-hmm. of where they uh, put you know Uhura at ops and Odo at the con- at navigation con, uh, and then I uh, you know it was great seeing Spock, but you know, Beverly as his what? As his Well, that's where Beverly usually sits. Like if she does sit. If if uh Deanna wasn't there. Isn't Deanna wasn't there. So 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Spock is like the the commander, the first officer, so that's where he would sit. Yeah, yeah, no, that that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but Odo should have been at Odo should have been at like tactical. Behind the, yeah, behind. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't really tactical. He was security. You know, like I mean, it wasn't quite the same. True, true. But it, anyway, it was great to hear their voices. Obviously, they pulled all of the stuff out of their out of episodes and movies of Star Trek. Uh, so that right. was kind of cool. Although that it was, was, I was thinking about it during the viewing of the episode, and I also confirmed in the follow up interviews that I read that I was like, "This, this must have been a nightmare to like hunt down the right clips." And not all of them really fit that well. Like there were a few that I was like, oh, it's like, I, you know, but I didn't mind. I didn't mind that. It was still kind of like, oh, especially some of the Spock clips, they sounded just very different. Yeah. His voice changed, you know, obviously from the young to the old, to the really yeah. old Leonard Nimoy. So right. yeah. I don't know if was... they could smooth that out anymore, but I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it too much. I didn't mind it. I felt it was a little bit disjointed and it did sort of take me out of the episode a little bit to right. process yeah. that and think about, oh, that's where is that from? What, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, but, uh, and I'm wondering if Gates actually did her lines. She did. She yeah. Did. She, okay. She required new lines. Yeah. She uh, was the only one. She was the only one. Yeah. Uh, Ohara's were from, from the original series. And, uh, yeah, Odo, Odo didn't say a whole lot, but what he did say, you know, was very typical Odo. Yeah. Um, I think Odo was probably the biggest homage because he didn't say a lot, but it, just having him there was sort of the uh, the homage to, to him. Right. Uh, to René Aubergenois. Uh, so, yeah, and then to have Scotty come back at the end. I mean, I you know, I... So we actually did talk a little bit about this episode after you watched it. Mm -hmm. Your your first remark is Dal is being a, a you know oh my god so fucking annoying. Yes, that there we go. So and I totally agreed. I was like oh here we go backtracking on the on the development of the character I guess or you know I guess it's a teenager so yeah we're gonna go back to this sort of attitude again oh, uh, after we thought I thought we'd kind of gotten over that at the end of episode five i mean he grew like minimally yeah. on the planet but i mean i feel he just grew to kind of like not hate gwen like that was kind of yeah 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 i don't know how much he grew as a leader you know well clearly not enough until he went through the kobayashi maru like a hundred we'll times. see how much of that actually sticks though right you know, yeah yeah that's the thing yeah, but I was, I mean, one, I was impressed with his determination, although he was a, still a jerk to Jankum Pog, which was really, mm -hmm. uh, he was making all these sarcastic remarks about how Spock was better than Jankum and how, you know, all of this stuff. And and I felt bad for Jankum, but, you know, it rolls off the back of a Tellarite like nothing. If he's not being insulted, it's probably not. Right. And uh, even communication. So, yeah. Uh, but I thought I was really impressed with Dal's like determination and eventually his creativity. Yes, he was creative. You know, uh, I thought that there were some really creative moves that he did. Of course, then he would blow it uh, after he did this really cool creative move and won and then, you know, got lax again and died. So I thought it was I thought it was enjoyable to see how 
how he got creative and also at the end how you know spock gives a lot of pearls of wisdom from throughout star trek (laughs) i know uh and uh you know, hopefully he'll understand that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and or the one and uh, and this will stick this time. But I thought it was really it was really kind of cool to see how he played it differently and tried some really unique things it, that, you know, no Starfleet could that would ever think to do, probably because they're so programmed. And here is this, you know, this kid who's completely unprogrammed right right and uh, uh, yeah that's true yeah he he's more unorthodox because of that yeah so but he did admit you know that he's never captained a ship either which you know is true and Obviously. makes a lot of makes a lot of sense uh yeah but he, yeah, no shit. That, yeah but to say that out loud i think was also a bit of a, a character development point for him so but I, yeah, I enjoyed that part a lot. Uh, I thought that that so much so that I forgot about all the other stuff that until you mentioned it, all the other okay. stuff. That was no, out. I mean, I think that that was the, 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 even though that, I guess that was an A plot, I guess. I mean, in terms of narrative movement, it's definitely more like Gwen's, uh, like Gwen's narrative that kind of moves things along. But yeah, I mean, that this was definitely kind of the star in the sense of all the Easter eggs, all the callbacks. You know, for some reason, we in this season of Discovery and Prodigy, we have episodes named after the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This one Coinc- just coincidentally. And we also had another episode of Prodigy. Remember Terra Firma? Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They're big, uh, big Discovery fans or something. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but Kobayashi is, uh, you know, been around for a long, long right, time. Right. It so. just so happened that two, two episodes in this season in two different shows. Shows are the, have same, the same name. name. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that part of the episode. Shall we move on to one of the other points of the episode or do you yeah. have any other thoughts on, Dal's kind of on Dal's. Um, no, I don't think so. No, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty, pretty light. I mean, it was all about just the references and Easter eggs. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so what do you want to tackle next? You want to talk a little bit about? Uh, I mean, just a quick. I mean, I feel like this is just a quick side note, but Murph is indestructible. Apparently, yes. Um, and uh, last I heard, no one's guessed who or what Murph is. So, um, so maybe that will be revealed at some point. So, yeah, I mean, no one's guessed what Murph is still. Uh, we don't know. No one's really figured that out. Maybe it's in the encrypted archive of the Protostar. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I, I I actually got a little scared. I mean, that was a little bit of a scary moment when he ingested all of those explosives. Oh, really? I found nothing. No, no, no. Oh, well, uh, I I was like, he's gonna be fine. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure what the the point of it is, is other than to just add some comedic. I mean, I have no emotional connection to this blob, so. Well, and he doesn't really, he, they don't really speak any uh, known language. I mean, right. Rock Talk is really the only person that understands him. 
I guess. I guess. I guess. So, um, so that that was there. There was that little caveat, that little story, mini story, point five plot line. I don't know whatever you want to call it. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Gwen's storyline and and them and Janeway and and uncovering. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, apparently they just traveled 4,000 light years into the Gamma Quadrant or close to the Gamma Quadrant. So I was like, that's really far. And I do not understand how the Diviner is going to catch up with them. Like, I, if, if the Diviner catches up to them, I, I call shenanigans because <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Like, yeah. And space is huge, like 4,000 light years in one direction. You're talking about potentially searching for a ship with a four, like within a 4,000 light year radius. You know, you have no idea. Space is massive. Like I, unless they purposely go back and find a diviner or something like that, I guess we'll see. I I, I just, um, I will be hard pressed to understand how a diviner can, can find them. So I don't know. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't yeah, know. No, I liked uh, Gwen Sorling because we got, you know, I li- again, that's, that's where we got kind of the, the moving the plot forward. And we got all these drops of information, such as, yes, the pro star has been apparently in the Delta Quadrant for quite some time, where... I, I just think that it's going to get a little messy if there is time travel because I want I did watch this episode twice and um, the Diviner's robot, I don't remember what his name is, Cyborg, what's his name? Dreadnought or something, right? Dreadnought, yes, Dreadnought, yes. Um, he, he just makes this offhand comment because the Diviner is, he's saying that the Diviner is still searching for the Polestar and... Dreadnought was like, oh, yeah, men have spent their entire lives looking for the ship. And I was like, okay, how long has a Polar Star been missing in the Delta Quadrant? And the thing is that if it's really been missing in the Delta Quadrant for so long, it seems just very unlikely that Janeway and Voyager never encountered any information about the Polar Star. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it, it just gets messy. It doesn't line up. It doesn't line, yeah. It gets really messy. And if it, and if the designer has so much influence on the whole project and other people have been searching for the starship, you know, like, it's just, I, I think it, it's very hard to kind of then avoid, I don't know, like, like, yeah, like, basically, like, bait and switches when it comes to, like, plot line. And I don't know. It, it's, it's messy. I think it's just messy. If it is indeed, like, time travel we'll see what happens we'll see what they do but i don't know like I, i'm just like not sure where this is going but i i did like the yes i i did like the info drops but i i just i feel conflicted about where it's gonna head yeah i mean and this just occurred to me is it possible that the protostar drive went into the future like, is it, I mean, is it, uh, is it possible that when they enabled the protostar drive that not only did it go 4,000 light years, but did it go 10 years into the future? Oh, um, you mean like just now? I don't know, but I feel that they would be able to tell if they did. 
like Jamie yeah. would be able to tell, oh, we're not when we were or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That just that just occurred to me. But yeah, I I um I agree with you. I think, you know, I think that well, I mean we don't know yet. We don't we, we don't, don't know don't all know. the details yet, but it just it feels like it could potentially get very messy. Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, like retcon y, like I don't know. Something. Do we know what year did Voyager return to the Alpha Quadrant? Wasn't it like 2379 or something uh, that's what I, yeah 79 kind of sticks out for me yeah i feel it's around that. Yeah. it's sad that it's sad that i feel like I, I have like a grasp of like these like fictional dates but i i don't know like real dates in in, in the, our history in, in our history yeah it's very sad yeah um i agree uh i i'm the same way sort of a little bit yeah um Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm looking to see yeah, yeah, when you were when I, I think 20, okay. 2379 sounds about right. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think it's it could get messy. I am not sure why we needed to go down this route. I mean, I guess I, you know, if you have a timeline for the protostar, then you know, I mean, it looks it looks different than the Prometheus. It looks different than Voyager. It looks different than the Equinox, you know? So it's, it's definitely, I mean, it looks, looks like it looks like it could, could potentially belong in the 32nd century, honestly, uh, to some extent. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 2378. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, well, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. We've got four more episodes in this part of, in part two of the season. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if they're they're trying to appease or get more adults into it, but I don't see how any of these details would sort of attract a younger audience. You mean with like all the details of Dal or are talking about like the main storyline. I mean, at this, this episode is filled with things that I just don't know that would be interesting to non Star Trek fans, like, or, or to new Star Trek fans. Uh, they won't get the references from. No, absolutely not. From Dal. And then, you know, the, the storyline, I guess, of unlocking something and figuring out why Janeway doesn't know about the protostar drive why that's been locked out, all of that stuff. Uh, and that Gwen can program all of that is interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she just suddenly did the programming and found this space that was blocked out and then started to unlock it. And it's Oh, but it's in her language. It's her in her native language. Oh, uh, okay. That was the other mystery. Yeah. It's like, why is, why is there a piece of code or a piece of encryption in the protostar computer database that is in the native language of the diviner and Gwen. Yeah. So there's right. a lot, there's a lot of these like mystery boxes right now. Yeah, there are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But she yeah. was able to get into it and see all of this data that needs to be right. Kind of reorganized, including the Chakotay reveal. So, yes. So captain Chakotay uh, of the protostar. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah that's uh yeah how that's gonna fit in and and yeah. all that is gonna be interesting as well uh yeah it's uh a lot of great tidbits mm-hmm. a lot of confusion for us longtime star trek fans potentially yeah i mean some definite fan service to us but also some uh you know timeline hijinks that uh don't really make sense to us and hopefully it yeah, will we'll be- have to see we'll have to see what to do with it but yeah yeah okay well um and i haven't seen a preview of the next episode which comes on tomorrow so uh oh yeah i haven't either so we'll just wait and see what happens next mm-hmm. and uh although i feel like uh at least for discovery that the previews that i kept on seeing at least on instagram were always coming on wednesdays before the Thursday episode, like a day. Yeah, no, they, they released those late. I think. Yeah, so. Um, okay, well, cool. So that's uh, episode five of Prodigy. Uh, sorry, episode six of Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobayashi. And uh, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about Coda? On screen, Riker snapped. With a tap, Keru relayed a signal to the main view screen just in time for everyone to watch a vortex of darkness tear Paris to shreds. The Eiffel Tower collapsed into twists of iron that blew away like leaves. The Palais de la Concorde, the seat of the Federation's government, disintegrated like dust falling into a star. The Federation Council building was swept away seconds later. The sensors from Paris went black. The computer switched to the San Francisco feed, The city's skyline flew apart. The Golden Gate Bridge broke into pieces and fell into the bay. Beyond the bridge, a surge of fire and dark energy obliterated Starfleet Command and Starfleet Academy, leaving behind nothing but scoured, smoldering dirt. The feed went dark. Faster than Sarai could keep track, the great cities of Earth were erased. New York, Tokyo, London... Mexico City, Nairobi, Shanghai, all gone within a breath. Then the only remaining view of Earth was the one from Luna. The storm swelled, metastasized out of control, and swallowed Earth whole. Space dock and McKinley Station were consumed. Darkness hit the Luna feed, then the Mars feed. Jupiter Station went silent. The last Sarai saw of the Federation capital was a long-range FTL sensor image, which captured the moment the temporal storm devoured Saul itself. Half a minute later, the tempest dissipated and vanished, and the Saul system was gone. The star, all its planets, its asteroid field, its Oort cloud, everything. Not destroyed. Erased. As if they had never been sure you've been promising this for a while and quite honestly like you know this is now two a month and a month in the rear view mirror for me for well we don't have to talk about all the details i think that we can just give overarching thoughts about so we both read the trilogy so i think we can give just high level thoughts about what we thought about this and to the Star Trek Liveverse. Okay. How we feel they did. Yeah, okay. So let's do that. But first, uh, just a spoiler warning. So, you know. Oh, yeah, our, spoiler our, warning. 
our, our friend Sam, who is in, in the midst of reading this, you may want to skip ahead or end listening here. Uh, but if you haven't read Coda and you are going to read Coda or you are reading Coda, now is a good time to pause this recording and come back Correct. later after you finished the whole trilogy, all three books of Coda. Correct. We did do we did do a deep dive into book one. We didn't get around to book two because we, by the time I you had finished it, book three it was already out, and I was already into book three. Yes, yes, you were happy. Uh, but I did I did call I did call uh, book two very Empire Strikes Back like. And I would say that book three, if we were to use an external metaphor for it, I would call this Avengers Endgame. Uh, very Marvel-esque feeling at times. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I guess uh, first up, how do you feel like this all wrapped up? Like this wraps up a whole literary universe that yeah. began with, uh, with First Contact. Uh, and what do you mean? Like, you mean in the timeline of the novels? In the timeline of the novels, this is okay. where the splitting point actually turned out to be was when the Enterprise right. went, went through the, uh, followed the sphere into the past, but they were caught in the you know, time eddies or whatever and protected from what was happening outside of this. Yeah, it was a little confusing. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they th- this crew still goes through what happened in Nemesis. So it's, you know, technically that still happened to them. Maybe that didn't, that wasn't far enough from like the main, that had, you know, in terms of the main, the prime timeline, as they call it, like it hadn't deviated far enough. So they went through the same experience as the prime timeline. Right. You want yes. to argue it that way? Yep. You're right. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I, it was, the problem with this entire, this trilogy is that you know where it's headed. You know that they're going to erase everything and they need to reset so that the prime timeline, if as we call it, can reassert itself and we were going with canon, right? So I had an issue with the stakes of, novels like because i'm like okay so and so just died but they're all gonna basically die so to what end like i think that that was a big issue for me um in reading these novels and i slowed down in the second the second book and it took me a while to get through the third book because i think i just lost momentum um because because of yeah like i i just knew where i was going and i versus like when i was reading you know like Destiny, I know we compare it to Destiny because that was like probably the other big trilogy in the Litverse, but I didn't quite know where that was going yet. Star Trek was also off the air, right? So that was different. And you didn't know who was going to make it, who wasn't going to make it. Um, and as I mentioned, I think that the Borg compared to the Davidians is just a very different emotional threat, even though the stakes in this trilogy is much higher um i feel that like yeah we just we just don't have the emotional interest in the davidians you know and it was an interesting if not kind of left field nemesis for this plot line and at the end of the day i i think the problem with this is that it's a very 
faceless enemy, right? It's, there's no, they're obviously nefarious, but there's no, like, there's no face to it. There's, it's not like there's no board queen. There's no, there's no personality behind the, the villain, which is why I mentioned to you, I, I feel that's why Riker got the short end of the stick because they needed like an adversary that would have some sort of emotional impact. And they basically made, well, Riker go crazy. And he basically served as like the secondary villain in the second and third books. And I don't really know how I feel about that. I feel that because they didn't really have like a worthwhile nemesis to work with that had any sort of emotional impact on the reader, they needed something else. So I feel he really just got like the short end of the stick from a plot perspective. Yeah, that that was that for me was one of the harder things to kind of swallow and and deal with was uh, just how how odd Riker was acting and what right, and was- they explain it like they have like a reason for it. Yeah, it's just like I just didn't really, I, I didn't really like that turn of his character. Yeah, I didn't either, and 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 until you said it, I didn't really realize and think about it that he was the enemy kind of the scene and a scene enemy versus the Davidians who we really didn't see and didn't really have a face. But then the, the interesting twist that I thought was in the third book, I think it was the third book when they discover that it's actually the Borg who kind of created this time split. The Davidians are taking it. Maybe they find out at the end of the second, maybe, or is that beginning a third novel? I don't remember. It it actually has melded together. I think it is. I think you're right. I think it is the beginning of the third novel. Yeah. We discover that the the Borg are the ones who inadvertently, kind of, they they didn't mean to to create like a new timeline. No, but they (laughs) they saw so as the world was changing, uh, that created a separate timeline a separate Borg universe. Uh, I forget what, I think they called it the Borg universe or Borg timeline, Borg timeline. And uh, they then shot a beam. Their goal was chronotom beam or something. Chronotom beam from, from earth, from the Mm. alternate earth, the earth that Mm. they had uh, assimilated to destroy the enterprise coming back. Right. Through the time vortex uh to destroy it so that the borg timeline can continue which it did so we've got this other we so we've got the sort of the mirror universe we've got the borg timeline and we've got the splinter timeline and then the prime timeline yeah so we've got all these different things so it got also kind of confusing i i think that the other thing i really know is about this these novels is that there's much more technodouble than usual it was even it was to another level where i was like usually i can pretty i can follow along the title bible pretty well but i feel like they like really went far out with a title bible this time and i was just like this is getting really complicated it got very complicated yeah it got complicated early though i would say even in the first book it got complicated when- no it got complicated and then it got more complicated yeah, absolutely. No, it definitely did yeah. get more complicated. But I, I, I kind of lost it when they were talking about the sphere that Wesley was using and all the stuff that they were learning from that. That's when it got really like confusing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, I think then it went on steroids after that. Uh, yeah. Uh, and for me, also, what was confusing was this alternate 
mirror universe timeline which was right because his mirror universe was alternate mirror universe it's like the splinter timeline mirror universe (laughs) yeah which you saying that does not help clear it up at all it just makes it even more confusing yeah uh so where you have these different uh you know these different versions which i i kind of uh, in the third book, I really kind of did enjoy some of the characters from that. Like, uh, it was great to have Kalar back. Yes, I like that. And that interaction with her and Worf uh, was very interesting. Uh, so there was that. But then we had Luke Picard, um, mm. who was very sort of uh, disinterested slash annoyed by slash why did I even say yes to this by taking on Picard's son, mm-hmm. um, Renee, right on, on his ship. So which his, their ships look like the it's enterprise like the era. Ring, it's like the Vulcan ring ships. Yeah. From essentially enterprise would be the, right. the clearest vision we would have of that. So, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, kind of interesting, uh, but also slash, that three ships episode in lower decks yes yeah yeah it was was sort of totally like three ships or four or how many ever yeah it was just it got crazy it got no i mean the we saw the vulcan ring ship in that three ships episode oh oh you're right yes or yeah that boat yeah and it's it's klingon but Right. Yeah, we did see it. And that ring ship is actually much huger than yes. the Cerritos. Much huger. Good use of English. Yeah, you know, I English, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's late. It's late on much a Wednesday huger. night. And yes, it was much larger than the Cerritos. So yeah, so um you know, I, I'm trying to think of some of the, the losses that were sort of felt. Like, I think losing Cisco was a big hit. That was a surprise. Yeah, when Cisco died. I mean, you you knew that everyone was going to die. The other thing I was trying to think back to was whether... I I don't think we ever really saw, like, the death of Jake and his wife. We don't... um, And we didn't... No, I think they made it. Well, they made it... Their ship made it out of Bajor. Out of Bajor, but that was sort of... We don't know what happened. We don't know what happened to them. We don't know what happened to... Uh, I can't think of Cisco's wife's name and their kid. Um, but oh, I don't know the name of their kid. Um, Cassidy. Cassidy. Cassidy was. I think Cassidy was with Jake, wasn't? She? Uh, I don't remember. I. They were no. I thought. Cass- uh, you know what? Maybe not. I thought Cassidy was with the Robinsons, so but maybe not. Anyway, so uh, you know, we we didn't get to see that Nog's death was really kind of sad mm-hmm. miles you know the death of deep space nine two mm-hmm. and miles mm-hmm. and kira uh so i'm trying to remember i thought that the orb of time piece was interesting but i'm trying to remember what reinfused that was that them going into the the was that reinfused when they it was the, a little confusing because they went into the mirror universe and then the mirror the mirror splinter universe and then Kira was kind of able to reactivate it. Um, but what was confusing to me is I thought that the prophets were like, I thought they crossed dimensions or something. I didn't realize that because the prophets in like that timeline died in the splinter timeline died, right? Because they blew right. up the wormhole. 
Yes. Yeah. But then they were fine in the mirror universe. I was like, oh, okay. I was a little confused by that because I thought the whole point was that the wormhole crossed time and space or something. I I don't know. Yeah. I I was a little confused. I was like, okay, sure. So, and then we have uh, Esri Dax as the captain of the Defiant in that universe. Right. Right. Uh, Of the mirror universe. Of the mirror, mirror splinter universe. Right. Yes. Yes. Splinter mirror universe, whatever that this the lit verse mirror universe, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, you know, data sacrificing himself, right? Um, once again, I'm trying to, re- I actually, I can't remember how data dies at the end. He's with data uh, doesn't die. He just um, he he's in the board complex, and then they make it to the end. He and Lil make it to the end. Julian dies. Julian dies. Yeah. Julian dies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, I mean, everybody's dead. Everyone's dead. Everyone's gone. Everyone's dead. <laughs> so I'm kind of uh, like, all right, I guess that's it. There were, some, there were some impactful deaths. I mean, it wasn't all, you know, all like, oh, yes, we know they're dying. Oh, here's another death. There were some impactful deaths. No, some of them were set up well. Yeah. But overall, I was just like, again, I just didn't. I don't know what stakes I was supposed to kind of be putting into it. Like, I, I didn't really feel it. It, w- it wasn't like on purpose. I wasn't like, I'm not going to have any stakes in this. You know, like it wasn't like that. It was just like, I, as I was reading, I was just like, all right, but I know where this is going. So, yeah, I kind of felt that way too. But, you know, I guess some of the details or oh, Savic was interesting in this whole. Yeah, like, no, those are cool. Those are cool. Was, like, yeah, that was that like, was a cool Kalar and Savic. Like those are cool additions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and also Ambassador Spark, Spock, Spark, Spark, <laughs> Ambassador Spock had gone over to the to the mirror universe with them, and he was part of uh, the trying to get the mirror universe to support this endeavor in the right, right. the Splinter universe. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought, you know, there were some interesting things. I thought it, it was it was tough to keep all of the things separate. And maybe maybe more so for me listening to the audiobook at 1.5 speed, but You were listening uh, to it at 1.5 speed? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Like I had to I told you when I was reading, I had to like read stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like it was like, so confusing. Yeah, I mean, I went back a couple of times uh, over part over, you know, not a lot, but over a couple of parts that I had to really like re-understand. I don't like reading audio, like read, listening to audiobooks, and I don't like listening to audiobooks at like fast. <laughs> like, I mean, I listen to most audiobooks at one point five speed because they do really talk in a steady tone, you know, steady pace, mm-hmm. which is like like they enunciate. Yeah, they enunciate. They're reading out loud, obviously, you know. So I'm like, you know, we we can listen to this faster. Like I can take this in faster, and, and I normally do. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I it was. I thought it was really overall. I thought that it was pretty, you know, very complex and and you know, well thought out. I think it I was well thought out. Yes, I, I will. I will say that the that. Davidians were maybe not the the greatest enemy, um, but they did sort of. That is a unique perspective on how they were eating all the energy from dying universes, mm-hmm. as sort of the um, 
the reason that all this was happening. And then, oh, you know, one thing I never, I they never gave a good reasonable explanation as to why there was no intervention from a higher power, like the Q or the Metrons. Like they mentioned, they name dropped them, yep, they, but yeah. they, there was never an explanation. And I just, I just don't think there's something like this that would happen on such a, on a scale without Q at least appearing. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a legitimate thing. I think that too often though, Q is used as like a sort of like time travel. It can be overused and like resetting right. things. And we're going to yeah. see that in Picard. So, you know, I think that there, there's, there's probably, there were probably some parameters that they were given. Like we're going to use Q in Picard. So you really can't use him in this book series. And Maybe, even though it's yeah. a, or you're right. He's very overused. So, and, you know, to snap and be able to fix things, you know, you know, Picard would have, definitely done whatever he could have he would have sacrificed himself to live a thousand lives with q in order to save his universe sure so um so there's that so i think yeah you you don't need any like simple like snap of the finger fixes for this because there was none well the the problem is that star trek has introduced these characters you know it's it's not like I, I did not force Star Trek to create these like narrow loopholes of godlike beings. Like they they were the ones that decided that these entities exist. So if they exist in this universe, then you can't ignore them. That's a problem. You know? Yeah, true. But I guess since they're godlike beings, they can ignore whatever they want and continue with their godlike existence. But so. then they also meddle. Like that's they they like meddle when they want. So yeah. You can't have it both ways, you know? Like, that's the problem with with narrative, like, narrative elements like this. Like, you can't have them occasionally just jump in and do something. And then when things are actually, there are, like, universal stakes at, like, at risk that they don't appear, you know? Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, I think overall I, I enjoyed this. I, I would say that the part that I enjoyed the least was the Riker storyline. Yes, that was just annoying. It got annoying. It got like vexing, and then well, completely out of you know, completely out of character, like so far. But there was something wrong with him. He was basically sick, and then, but but as a result, he really the character really got the short end of the stick. But then also, Deanna got the short end of the stick because of that, because she got dragged along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just found his his character so out of character, so unreasonable, so crazy that I was mad at the surrounding characters, including Deanna, for not doing anything about this. Like I waiting. I feel, so like, I feel like they could have done more. Like they should have like, I know he's an admiral, but it got ridiculous. Like, yeah, oh, it got, it got yeah, so yeah. way out of hand and like yeah. so far beyond. And they kept on saying, oh, you know, stress and, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and it just, that, and I think that was probably the harder part not only the, the characterization of Riker, but how all of the characters in that realm and that storyline were acting mm-hmm. around him were just seemed like so far out of character. Yeah. Uh, and, and how they solved it going into his mind and, you know, doing this mind palace essentially thing. <laughs> uh, Deanna mm-hmm. did right. Uh, with the help of, uh, Tuvok. 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 yeah. 
So it's just, yeah, I, I think that was for me, the most disappointing part of this storyline was that. I know. I wish we didn't have to. Yeah. I wish they didn't do that with Riker. It was just it yeah. was annoying. Yeah. I, I don't but, think it, I don't think it made it better. Like, you know, like, I don't think it like, because like, yes, I, I think the reason personally, I think the reason why they did it is because they needed an emotional villain, but I don't think it would, it was necessary. I don't think at the end it actually helped. Like as yeah. in, it made it, it didn't, for me, it didn't make it more compelling. No, it didn't. No, it made it. Yeah. It definitely did not add a compelling nature for me either. But I do think that you hit it on the head when it, they needed a character, they needed a villain who was known to us, who, who, uh, who could who could fill that void that was yeah. left by the Davidians, which there was no face or name or yeah. you know, and also they're they're out of phase, so you really couldn't you you really could never see them, except in certain situations. So it just, yeah, I think that that's all kind of. Yeah, the uh, that part of it really didn't resonate for me at all. Yeah. Overall, I would give it like a like a B plus. Like if I had to give it a grade, B plus. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I would say it's a it's definitely a worthy read. It's a it's a hearty read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a commitment, and uh, yeah, uh, like yeah, like you said, you had to read a couple parts again and go yeah. over it and. Yeah, I, and I agree. Like, I, I would probably even give it a, just a B. I think there was a little bit too much Trekno babble. Um, there, uh, you know, I think it it got a little too crazy with that. Yeah, maybe it's easier to maybe it's easier to understand or to deliver in a narrative, like a written. If you're reading it, but if you're listening to it, I think it's a it's a complete. I mean, I read it. I, I read it, but it was still confusing. Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, no. yeah, you know, yeah. It's just, but yeah. So I'd give it a B, a B, B, B plus. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's worthy a worthy read. It's I worth think, reading. Yeah, it's worth reading. Yeah, I, I think the authors did a great job in wrapping up that. You know, in a in a pretty big way. I mean, it's a it's definitely an epic and. Uh, Kudos to to the three of them, James Swallow, mm-hmm. Dayton Ward, and uh, why can't I think of the third author? I don't know. Uh, hey, he, and I can David Mack. <laughs> David Mack. Oh yeah, David Mack. Um, gosh, uh, sorry, David, about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think they did a, you know a really robust job of of. Wrapping up that year. Robust is a good word. Robust, yeah, it, it's a it, it, robust it's, effort. It is. It's a robust effort. It's a robust read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and it's not something that you know. Fortunately, they came out one month after each other, and so it sort of gave you time to read oh it. Oh my god! Could you imagine that if they were like a year apart or something? Forget. Oh it. yeah, it would if never. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't work if it were a year apart. Like they had to release this back to back to back. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So, well, there we go. I think we've uh, did a fairly good job of of that. We probably didn't talk a lot about the Borg ending, but uh, that in itself was very... Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, it was fine. I mean, like, I, it went really deep into, like, the whole Picard trauma of it all and 
Yeah. I was like... And then also trying to sync up the timelines at the end or the three stories at the end so that it, they all had to happen at the same time in order right. to end everything. And um, so that felt a little drawn out uh, as well. Oh, you know, one thing I did like that we didn't talk about. I did like how they dropped in current Star Trek stuff. Like, for example, California class starships. That was a that was something um that the time crystals on that boreth oh boreth yep yeah right like that was another one like there were like and then picard when he was um meeting with the admiral and he was getting frustrated he was like should i resign i was like oh my god <laughs> like yeah yeah like, things like that like i thought were like funny and like you know good references yeah i think in star trek lore yeah um, they probably yeah. had a, a lot of fun in imbibing and imbuing that stuff in into the story as well yeah Yeah, those those board scenes were a little like reminiscent of into darkness and into uh just uh star trek six like these big board meetings where you're presenting and yeah um but they go off the rails completely like uh so yeah there there are some i think everyone will find something interesting or you know good in in reading it yeah uh yeah and you may not understand it all i I certainly don't and then i guess i would encourage people who are reading it to kind of just enjoy for what it is and not think too much about it and not think too much about where it's going right Um, you know and if you're kind of just there for the ride, you know, it's, it's a good read. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're, okay. you're kind of there along, along the way for the ride really. So yeah. kind of just have to have to go with it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that wraps up the quote, maybe like, I, you know, maybe once a quarter we can do kind of like a book review or something. Yeah. I mean, I, have you, have you picked up Revenant at all yet or no? I have not, but I am curious about it because I looked into it after you mentioned it. I was like, oh, this might actually be interesting. So Yeah, it's a, it's really, uh, it's a strong, uh, strong book, I would say. And You finished? I did finish. Yep. yep. I mean, by the time I finish, are you going to remember the book? Like, even if I was an attempt uh, starting? I mean, yeah, no, I mean... No, yeah, and, and yeah, you're not you're not gonna remember anything. <laughs> I mean, I barely remember Coda. Thankfully, oh my god. Um, no, I, I mean, I do remember <sighs> parts of it, but yeah, it just kind of gets, you know, I I don't know. For me, reading, listening to these books, especially because most of my Star Trek reads are audiobooks, uh, you know, for me, it's just like entertainment for my mind while I'm walking or doing other things, and it's just. You know, it's not, uh, you know, I do listen to it at 1.5 speed and uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a mindless blather for my brain to absorb uh, and enjoy. So, but uh, Revenant's a good, is a good read. Um, A lot of great trill trill callbacks and Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's definitely and you know it's deep space nine we love deep space nine i said earlier that we're next generation guys but we our favorite series is deep space nine so yes 
It really um, is. I mean, it's in that like era, so. Yeah, it's right in the middle of the series. I think it's yeah. it comes uh, it comes right after the Way of the Warrior. Mm. That's season four, season five, somewhere in there. Um, so it's good, you know, and it does talk about Jadzia's other lives, and it does does have an interesting uh, take on uh, on the symbiote uh, relationship to Trill. So, right, right. Cool. So, well, yeah. maybe maybe we will um, talk about another book someday on this podcast, but we'll we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens. And maybe I can convince you to listen to the audio drama that's coming out of Star Trek Picard, and we I can think talk I about might that. do that. I think I'll I think I'll end up um, doing that because especially it feels like if if they have like the you know the real actresses yep, they did, yeah. participating, then it feels like it's more like canon-y you know oh yeah it's definitely definitely canon and it's uh it's essentially it's an audio drama is just a script that they're acting out and you know they have post-production that adds in sounds and things like that that Mm -hmm. so yeah maybe um cool all right well mike do you want to talk a little bit about our sponsor sure fansets is the official sponsor of deep space pride and the start the track geeks podcast network oh my god okay yes it's late uh definitely go check out you know i think i talked last week about the new releases for the first part of january and we're still in the first half so there's a cool uh new uhura pin there's a star trek discovery pin uh and uh you know recently they did release some more women of trek series three pins dr jillian taylor and Janice Rand. So, plus there is that ultra cool uh, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan uh, magnetic or pin um, Delta. So, definitely go check that out. And if you put more than $30 worth of pins in your cart, you'll get free shipping. And if you use the code DSPRIDE, all one word, all in caps, mm-hmm. you We'll get 10% off your order. And we want to thank Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor of Deep Space Pride and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Thanks, Fansets. Johnson, how can people leave us their feedback on Coda, on Kobayashi, or anything else Star Trek related? How can how can our fans and our listeners reach us yeah well we are on twitter and instagram you can reach us there at d space pride and you can also email us at d space pride at gmail.com and we'll get back to you in uh in one of those forms whatever there we go yes yes Cool. Well, that does it for this episode of Deep Space Pride. Uh, next week, we'll talk about episode seven of Prodigy. Mm-hmm. And who knows what else? Maybe some off topic. There is a lot of uh, off topic happening, including the Silent Sea, Marvel Eternals. There's a lot of off topic for sure. Uh, the Expanse is ending. Oh my god, I'm so sad. The finale is Friday. Yeah, so we have a lot to talk about. So I think next week we'll talk a little bit about off topic 
and we'll talk about episode seven of prodigy so and just like that hello we can talk about and just like that we can talk about that too yeah are you caught up uh no i'm not you did not watch the diwali episode yet i did not not yet no okay so so thanks thanks everyone for listening and uh we'll catch you back here next week all right bye everyone bye Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.